to BIV Today, our weekly business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from our website, BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, the CEO and founder of Joey Restaurant Group, Jeff Fuller, joins the program to talk about the company's expansion, including a 28th Joey location here in Greater Vancouver. But first, mark your calendars. We have a number of BIV events coming up. More information on all of them is available at BIV.com events. At the end of the month, BIV's 40 Under 40 Awards Gala takes place. Join us January 30th at the Westin Bayshore as we celebrate young entrepreneurs, professionals, and executives from a wide range of sectors. Profiles of this year's cohort are available on our website, as is more event information. On February 4th, a conversation with UK Information Commissioner Elizabeth Denham, also BC's former Privacy Commissioner. She's joining me on stage to discuss privacy going mainstream, the ethical implications of AI, and on how we hold multinational corporations to account for privacy and data breaches. Business in Vancouver is once again recognizing BC's most outstanding businesswomen in private or public sector organizations. Join us to celebrate the Influential Women in Business Awards March 6th at the Fairmont Waterfront Hotel. For more information, visit BIV.com IWIB for Influential Women in Business. You can also find the details at BIV.com events where all details on all events are also available as our tickets. Joey Restaurant Group recently opened their 28th Joey location. It's called Joey Shipyards, based on the North Shore, and it's also the 41st location for the restaurant group. Jeff Fuller, founder and CEO of the company, joins the show today to talk about the company's growth and expansion. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. And congratulations on opening Joey number 28. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a big number from... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 25 or so years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, it's been quite an expansion. Now, I understand this is the first BC location you're opening in the last eight years or so. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I would have to double check the, that. That probably seems about right. Yeah, I would think that's about accurate. So give me a bit of a sense of what this 25 plus year journey has been like, starting from that one location, expanding quite a bit, and now with number 28. What's that story? How has it progressed? Well, I tell you what, I've learned a lot on the way, and, I, and I've heard other uh, business people say that, that you got to have uh, some good luck along the way. There's plenty of bad luck, too, but, uh, but, uh, and if you can get through it and, and build up a little bit of wisdom, uh, I think uh, you feel like uh, you, you get a little bit more resilient every year. So it's, uh, it's, been, a, it's been a good ride, and, and uh, we've been... Uh, sort of fortunate in the early days when I remember we built went from four to nine restaurants in a period of about eight months and it, uh, I learned what it was like to live out of a suitcase that's for sure. <laughs> well for any listeners who of course recognize your name you come from a family of restauranters how much of that has been able to help you in your business and to what extent have you really had to kind of just get your own hands dirty and figure it out for yourself? Uh, it's definitely been uh, it, I've had some really great uh, resources with my brothers and my dad who just passed last October, but he, uh, even uh, I would, I would say last year I asked him if he'd go down because we were growing in the U S and uh, just double check a couple sites that, you know, if you're just looking for 
a little bit more of confidence. He was fantastic. So he went down on his own and uh, spent a day with, with a broker that we had and, uh, and gave me the thumbs up, thumbs up on a couple sites. And so, and I even remember growing up when I was really young and, and we had Fuller's restaurants and it was kind of neat to be a, a five-year-old be able to run behind the counter and pour yourself a pop and, and sort of see the inner workings of the kitchen. And, and then of course my dad was quite involved in A and W back in the day. And, um, uh, you know, he, <laughs> there used to be a, a, a dune buggy that dispensed root beer. I'll never forget that. So all those things sort of get your mind focused on the restaurants. And, and of course, I, I worked uh, in the old uh, businesses. I went to university and got to move through several different positions. So that's it, all uh, helped form a, a big foundation and a little bit of wisdom along the way, I think, and a big benefit. Absolutely. What do you think has contributed to the success of the Joey restaurant brand? You know, I, without being cliche, it's really we have, I figured out uh, back when I was talking about growing too quickly and outgrowing your talent pool. Uh, I think sometimes that happens to people and they never recover because uh, you're just getting overwhelmed and, and uh, you can't, can't make up. Uh, so I, I really learned uh, to keep the deck stacked with people. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a very people-focused culture. You know, sometimes we'll... I've, said before that really you know we are focused in on the chess game of people making sure we have the right individuals and uh, we just happen to serve food and drinks in pretty uh, pretty cool looking buildings so it, it has been the thing even when I expanded into the U.S. we bought eight restaurants from Wolfgang Puck it was called Kachina Kachina and he had bought it a few years earlier and never really had the time to show up to change it and we went down and I can tell you that it was uh, it was a pretty broken uh company that was shrinking uh, and when you get a shrinking company I, I think a lot of the talent flees and uh, I was able to, to you know uh, get some people down there and help stabilize everything and, and so it's allowed me to take some swings always having a, a strong talent pool it allows you to take a bit more risk and knowing that if not everything goes great you still got a, a the people is the real machine and it can get you through some tough times and it can also really uh amplify some of those great things that happen as well. We hear from time to time on this show from other restaurateurs or entrepreneurs, specifically those in downtown Vancouver, and sometimes the challenges they have with retaining talent. Affordability becomes an issue, and sometimes there's lots of turnover. Have you found any solutions around that, or have you found that first to be a bit of a challenge at times, keeping people in cities that have some affordability issues? Yeah, I think it's always on our on our radar, uh, and there's a lot of great restaurants in Vancouver competing for that talent. So, I think just we've always sort of had uh, a decentralized uh, human resources philosophy. So we do have a human resources uh, vice president, and and he has people that help support. But really, we train people at a very early time when they come into the restaurant if they start uh, managing um, is is really the lesson that I learned and that is never get behind. So we teach them how to recruit, how to, how to, uh, uh, fill their schedule and, and have a couple extras. And, uh, it's a, it's a very important lesson and one that I don't, hopefully they don't learn by being short on people because then you, you can't make proper decisions when it comes to, uh, coaching people. So we spend a lot of time on that. And, and so, uh, you know, in our system, people sort of, uh, step up, from say a shift manager to a day manager and then they have a team of people 
and that's when we sort of, uh, you know, we coach them along and, and we look at uh, if they're keeping those grids full and, and, uh, and doing that really important piece. So it, it's an important part of our, our, our uh, culture and one that we uh, continuously uh, check on to make sure that, that it's working properly. And then, of course, to make sure that you're treating people well, because one thing to, to keep on hiring them, but you don't want them uh, going out the other end as well. So it's, been a, it's, a, it's a big focus of ours. What are some of the differences and similarities you've noticed in your work south of the border versus the environments that you've operated in for a long time here in Canada? You know, it's, I don't know that there's that much difference. There's a few nuances. Obviously, um, you know, there is definitely, uh, uh, if you were to talk about food itself, we, uh, there's more of a Mexican uh, Latin sort of, uh, tilt on things. So if something as subtle as, you know, we've tried to sell different types of pork on our menu before north of the border and it, and people are just a little bit less uh, uh, warm to it as if you go down south of the border. It's it's, mm. it's more of a, a staple. So there's little nuances like that. Um, but I think it, it, in reality, uh, I I really can't say that I've, I've noticed huge glaring uh, strategic things that would be that much different, uh, between the two. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there's just so many people that live down South. It's, it's definitely like we're in California and it is, uh, just, uh, it's just busy. It's a busy place. So, uh, that, that's sort of helped with everything we just talked about with the people and the hiring and, and all that sort of thing. It seems to be quite bountiful in that regard. Give me a bit of insight into what goes into sourcing a location and figuring out what's going to be right, not just for your brand, but also for generally operating a successful restaurant. Yeah, it's a, it's, that's the challenging one. The, the good news for us is that we're a private company, so I'm not under uh, the scrutiny of uh, shareholders and a board just to start uh, building units and trying to build revenue through, through uh, pumping out a whole bunch of locations. And it is a critical thing, and it's it's you know you'd like to say we tr- we try and do a whole bunch of things to you know pick a busy corner or 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 a, a busy uh, uh, if it if it's a shopping development a lifestyle center or something like that that's that's part of it. Um, uh, just recently, we were down in uh, uh, I was just down last week actually vetting out a site, and you know we we have spotters go in, we talk to waiters, we talk to bartenders to try and get a pulse of, of what the late night business is like, what the lunch crowd's like. So we've, we've, done, we've added a few things here and there, but at the end of the day, it really is just, you know, sort of standing on the corner, knowing what some of the other sales are in the area. And, uh, and then finally, you got to pull the trigger and, and make a decision. And there's other factors, of course, of, of what are construction costs like in, in that area. And then, uh, you know, you, you model out a return on, on your investment. And, uh, it looks, you know, you've got a stress test on the one end. And then on the other end, uh, uh, the non-stress test, which means that uh, you picked a really great location. So it, it's, it's not an exact science. There's a lot of information out there, but it can also get a bit confusing. So uh, I think feet on the ground has been my ticket, uh, is you've got to actually go to visit the site and maybe more than once, probably two or three times. Mm-hmm. Give me a sense of what the timeline would be like from when you first have the idea that maybe you want to open a Joey Shipyards through to actually having a, a brand new and open restaurant. How much time does that take? Well, each deal is different. You know, the shipyards, I always 
think I want to say it was it might have been as three and a half four years ago when I first met with uh, Gary Matheson and and we pitched him on us being uh, the tenant and then we had to work on the space uh, how you know how much space on the ground how much was available on the second floor and so that one uh, and then he hadn't even started his construction so that had to happen as well so that that that's been a three and a half year project we just opened a store in downtown LA. Uh, same sort of thing, although they wanted it was kind of a, a strange space they wanted us to take, and we actually dropped it off of our list, and it came back to us a year later, uh, maybe even a year and a half later, and it turned out just to be an excellent site. They made some changes to how we could do the floor plan, so to, each one's unique, you know. And then there's sometimes if you if something falls on your doorstep and you just got to have it, then you know it's uh, all hands on deck to get the lease done quickly and uh, try and make sure that you don't lose it to a competitor, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's, the, that's the trick. <laughs> <laughs> Over the last 10 years or so, Jeff, what trends, be it consumer trends, trends in hospitality, for taste, would you say have had the biggest impact on the restaurant industry? Well, there's just no doubt um, that the Food Network and, and all the, the education for the customers that's going on um, has had a huge impact. People are way more informed, whether it's on uh, how to cook things, where things come from. And uh, so I think the, the consumer is much more educated. I think the trend I've sort of noticed uh, in the U.S. is that, you know, I felt when I first went down there in Seattle, they wanted you to be either an Italian place, a steakhouse or something or other. Uh, and they wanted to put you into a box. And now it seems like with the Food Network that, that having a, a more eclectic menu is actually on point because you'll see all these chef driven places and things. Uh, many of them do have uh, uh, eclectic menus and they dabble in a whole bunch of different styles of cooking. So I think that's been a big one. Obviously, I think uh, the the um, you know, the huge one that I see all the time is, of course, gluten uh, intolerance and, and other other uh, food allergies. Uh, you have to be right on point with that. Uh, and then, uh, of course, then there's the whole plant-based uh, piece that we're recognizing now. And even now, it's, it, it, those items don't tend to be the, the strongest uh, part of our sales mix, but it's a very vocal crowd, and they're very uh, sticky customer if you take care of them. So, uh, so it's just a matter of bandwidth. But those are some of the ones that I've really noticed, and I think a lot of it's been pushed by all the, uh, as I said, the, the Food Network and just the amount of food magazines and all, all and publications, and, and so it's had a huge impact on the on the public. Yeah, I'm sure an Instagram probably fits into that category too. Just photos Ab of food. Absolutely. <laughs> what yeah, about I, can't, I think in downtown LA, I can't. I think we had quite a few influencers. I was shocked at how detailed they are when they come in with their cameras and, you know, the iPhone with a and, and other other uh, phones with the with the unbelievable camera systems. Now it's changed everything as well. Well, I've noticed too, you can also order Joey food via DoorDash. That's another trend I've noticed is getting almost any kind of food on demand. Have you had to think about how you design restaurants or how you staff up to meet kind of this need in the market to get all kinds of food on demand and not actually go out to dine? It is. It's one that we're still working on and, and I don't want to say the jury's out on it. We're, we're, we're in with several locations, but certainly not all of them. And, uh, it is exactly that because you sort of design your mousetrap to service X amount of seats in your restaurant and then along comes uh, uh, the food delivery business, which can 
put a bit of stress on on your kitchen for sure and then where do they pick up the food and, and all sorts of things so we've thought through those of course and in existing locations you've just got to come up with uh uh how to how to figure that out um in new locations we haven't gone as far as to to you know sort of have a side door type of thing uh, we're looking at it hard of course my my feeling personally is the food is never quite the same when you're when you're packaging it even though we've put in some great packaging to try and mitigate any sort of heat loss or that it's always best to have it served in the restaurant so but it is a factor there's just no doubt about it it's a, it's a growing business and 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 it has to be recognized and that's kind of where we're at we're, we're at with it today how do you stay on top of trends or better yet try and stay ahead of the curve when it comes to trends with how we eat or how we get our food or what we expect of an experience? Yeah, I, I try not to maybe, I don't know if getting in front of a trend is, is always the most rewarding because you can also miss the trend and, and uh, it can create as much uh, sort of brain damage. I'm, I'm sort of a, I guess, uh, hopeful that, we spend a lot of time on just trying to be consistent. And uh, yes, we, we evolve our menu. It's, it's a bit slower. We're not just changing it for the sake of changing it. It's a tough thing to do because, you know, we don't want to have a storybook menu where we have eight, you know, 800 items. We, we have to take off an item basically to put one on and uh, boy, somebody was coming for that item. So it's never a great proposition uh, to do that. But but we, you know, we travel quite a bit. We're looking around. I uh, have, uh, I'll travel with uh, the development chefs uh, probably a couple times a year or more. We take our chefs to different countries. We've had them in Italy. We just had a big group into New Zealand. And so we, we've done things like that where uh, you might see a few interesting things. And, um, and so we just try and stay active. And then Vancouver itself, what a great city to, to have our, our home office because uh, there's just a lot of, you know, great things to see here. And you for, sometimes forget about that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just staying on top and, and, and uh, reading a bit about what you can see and, and uh, try to figure it out from that point of view. So this expansion, of course, big news, great way to start off the 2020 year. But what else can we maybe expect in the year ahead from the company? Uh you know, I think we're we are looking at a, another store in Toronto. We are uh, going to continue to to build out our local brand. Uh, with we have two locations in uh, Vancouver, but we have uh, I believe it's twelve or thirteen now in total. So we're looking around for those types of things. Um, we built a really really fantastic campus uh, underneath our office. We just happened to come across four thousand feet of. Uh, it's not totally subterranean, but uh, we built out a full kitchen. Uh, it's got sort of eight stations where we refine recipes, train, and and uh, and we've had some pretty darn good parties down there too. Actually, now that I think about it, so um, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. I've gotten yeah. trapped in a couple of those, and uh, and so we're just going to sort of stay on that focus and, and I think uh, continue to, uh, I think Vancouver still holds maybe a couple more locations. Uh, but as I said, as not being a public company, we, we don't have to be on every, on every corner. We're, we're sort of want to spend a bit more money on the build out and then, you know, make them for sure destination worthy and, and, uh, and draw a crowd in and, and, and keep it uh, attractive for people to, to make a trip to. 
Yeah. And you mentioned that LA location, are you still going to be watching the U.S. market for additional opportunities there? Yeah, we're actually, uh, we're going into Manhattan Beach, uh, which uh, I think we start construction next month. Uh, and then we're in Aventura, Florida, which is uh, an area that I wasn't really looking at, but I couldn't, I couldn't say no because uh, it was just such a good site. And, uh, and by the way, when you're talking about sites, that's sometimes how it happens, you know, and uh, so, so we went and looked at it and I figured out why they have valet down there in July. Cause you can almost die of, uh, heat exhaustion walking a hundred yards. I always thought it was just for the cold. And then we're going into Houston as well. And I, and I have, uh, three to four other deals that are close to being finalized, uh, in different parts of California and, and Texas as well. So, uh, you know, our goal is to sort of maybe build three or four a year uh, if we can, but that depends on whether we have the right sites and locations. So, Great. Well, Jeff, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to you, uh, give me a show. That's Jeff Fuller, president, CEO, and founder of Joey Restaurant Group. 